Right, so the taxi's just departed, just left us outside Charleston, this farmhouse, covered in fuchsia. It's quite windy. Fuchsia? Fuchsia, those fuchsia oh, yes, bushes they're everywhere. they're lovely, aren't they? And, and, and the um, grandiflora, it's Is gorgeous. that what it's called? But when you look at the countryside, it's so open, it is isn't open. it? It is open. Oh, look, and there's, no. a, there's a tractor with hay. Ooh. We really are in the country now. Yes. I can smell the cow dung. <laughs> yes. It's quite so. blustery, but it's, um, yeah, it's a, stunning, it's a stunning house and there's this lake in front. It would be a lovely house I to think, own. Yes. Although apparently they didn't have electricity. Oh, I'm sure they probably didn't. Or, yeah. So that meant no hot water. And a well, perhaps. Maybe they had a well. Yeah. You can imagine cold, Vanessa yeah. Bell going to her well. Yeah. <laughs> Dragging up the water. Yeah. yeah. So we can see uh, on our right is the, the house itself, which is described, I think, as a farmhouse, but is actually, you know, quite substantial. And it was, it's very compact, yeah. isn't it? But it's beautiful. It's very... Um, I like the windows a lot. And it's not crowded at all. There's no. lots of space around us, and I, I really like that. And it's not not been spoiled no that's it's true it's simple yeah it's, it's been attractive. sensitively yes. modernized yes. yeah okay so let's go inside let's and get go. our tickets let's yes let's do <laughs> let's do it <laughs> i'm Jessie burton and i've brought my mum to charleston the bloomsbury home of art and ideas in east sussex are we about to get run over by this tractor no um Oh, <laughs> he's coming quite this way. No, he's gone. He's... Yeah, so we've just come into the shop, which is um, basically full of everything that I want. It's beautiful, it's, isn't it? Yeah. It has a very nice warm feel about yeah, it. and it's got loads of pottery and crockery all painted in the style that Vanessa Bell painted her own. There's loads of books as well about the Bloomsbury group and painting. Oh, and there's uh, Virginia Woolf's A Room of One's Own, her book, which is very important. It's very nicely set out, isn't it? These little wooden drawers with little... Yeah, it makes you want to kind of go and touch everything. Hello, we have our national art passes, so we were hoping we could get two tickets, please. We can fit you onto one of our tours. Um, we have a tour going in at 12 o'clock, and with your national art pass, it will be half price for you. Perfect. So mm. it will be £7.25 with the national art pass. If you were to come on a Sunday, it will be free, but on a weekday, it's, it's half price. Lovely. Right. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm the author, Jessie Burton. I'm her mum, Linda Burton. And this is Meet Meet Me at the Museum. museum. (laughs) Slightly aggressive. You better meet me, otherwise I'm going to kill you. I remember growing up, you would always take me to art exhibitions, galleries, museums. I, I remember when all the other kids got to go to theme parks, you'd take me to some old house that was like, drafty with some old paintings it was such a cruel childhood (laughs) but yeah I remember you you used to take me do you do you know why you did that or probably because we were interested you know daddy's always been interested in art yeah and ceramics and um because it was history as well Mm. going to houses national trust or art museums was really 
part of, of the activities. And we went to the National Portrait Gallery and you did an educational day there. And, I um, remember that. We did a, a Make Your Own Corset course. Yes. So we went around looking at all the paintings and then we drew some. They were sort of the 16th century paintings and then we made a corset. Yes. And then and then they taught you to do a dance, didn't they? I have blocked that out of my mind. Really? I don't no, remember I that. Because I think as well, like you were a working mum, like you didn't have that much free time uh in the week so when it was half term but you were a teacher so like we had I remember we would do half term activities together and I do sort of feel like I'm quite grateful to you for dragging me around all those blooming old houses (laughs) because without that I don't know whether I would have developed that love of those historical sites that I wanted to bring back to life in my writing So we're outside, standing on the doorstep, waiting to be let in. Yes. It's a lovely, lovely duck pond oh, or lily. Pond. It, yes. I called it a lake. That was probably well, a I bit think, grand. Yes, but it's beautiful. It is lovely. Yeah. Uh, later, we're going to have a chat with the, uh, the head gardener, Fiona, who's going to tell us more about oh, probably the pond good. and all the, yes. the flowers. Because it, it is a beautiful outside space, as much as I'm sure it's going to be yes, stunning indoors. and I can see through the arch. Oh, can you? There's still flowers. Yeah. Which is good this Hanging time of on year. before winter yeah. comes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> knock, knock. Can we come in? Hello. Hi. Hello. Can we go? Welcome. Welcome to Charleston, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. My name's Terry. I'm going to be your guide. Hi, Terry. Shall we go? Hi. Let's go into the dining room, okay. which is on your left there. Here we go. Have you been here before? We have been here before. Um, when I was younger, Mum brought me. Oh. Yeah, so it's been about 20 years, I think. Oh, yes, a yeah. good 20 years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you know, I've been here 20 years. Oh, really? <laughs> Maybe I took you round. <laughs> you might be one yes. of my first tours. Yeah. <laughs> but it really stuck with me as a place. Yes. It's, um, it's like no, nowhere else, actually. And Definitely. I really wanted to come back. Mm. Yeah. And actually being here, you can imagine people living here. That's exactly. what I really appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting around this table. Exactly right. And I always, as a guide, I try to bring it to life to people. And I always yeah. say, look at this table here. Imagine you were having dinner here. Who would you be sitting next to in yeah. Vanessa Bell's day? <laughs> Ian Forster, T.S. Eliot, you know, and all yeah. these lovely names. It's very likely you would be sitting next yeah. to them. So could you tell us a bit about the, the background history of, of Charleston? Mm, sure. Well, Vanessa Bell, the artist, came here in 1916 during the First World War. She wanted a farmhouse because she was living with a creative group which consisted of Duncan Grant, the artist, and his lover, the writer David Garnett. Now, like a lot of the Bloomsbury group, they were both conscientious objectors and because of that, they needed to do work of national importance. So they needed to work on the land or something very similar and they'd been to a tribunal. But Vanessa was really looking for a home that was going to be very informal, away from her very formal life in Bloomsbury in London. So this was always seen as somewhere that was going to be very, very different. The other reason she chose Charleston was because Virginia Woolf, her sister was living at a house called Asham at the time, which was about four or five miles away from here. So she want, they were very close to sisters, so she wanted to be near her as well. But the real feel of Charleston was to actually live within these walls and just enjoy yourself and do exactly what you wanted to do. And if that meant decorating <laughs> or working or writing or whatever, you just did that. Or you did nothing and just enjoyed conversation. 
But can I just ask you, you said they had to do work of national importance. Yeah. So did they do any farming? Yes, they did. That's uh, exactly what they did. Oh, really? They would work on the surrounding farms as labourers mm-hmm. uh, during the day. So they worked very, very hard. Um, and even Vanessa Bell's husband, Clive Bell, was a conscientious objector, but didn't do his work here. He was elsewhere. But by that time, they'd sort of moved on and worked together anyway. So it was a bit disrupted, the family. But that's what they were doing here. Because at first, Vanessa Bell saw this as a very temporary let, that she'd just spend the summer months with her family and friends, and that included her two little boys, Julian and Quentin, who were six and eight, 1916. But it's interesting because they never actually owned the house. They only ever leased it all those years. And I don't think she really anticipated that it was going to be the family home, not until the Second World War. So it was very much a temporary let right up until that point. It's quite a long let, isn't it? It is. From the First World to the Second World (laughs) War. But they got so used to it and they loved it. And London was becoming increasingly dangerous in 1939. So she thought, well, I've got the lease on Charleston. I'll just make this the permanent home. But what was so interesting was that her husband, who she wasn't with at that point, decided to move in with them. So there's a big change around of the use of different rooms. And it was a very strange dynamic to a certain yeah. extent. Was it? I mean, it's obviously such a, a place of inspiration and creativity, but was it an ever an uncomfortable dynamic because of, you know, different lovers living here and all that sort of thing? Well, I think uh, we give the impression that it was harmonious. I don't think it was always harmonious, and I'm sure there were tensions. But yeah. you have to remember that they, first and foremost, they felt that they were accepting of people's relationships, and a lot of those were very fluid as well. Yeah. So it was very much a different way of life here. You could do what you wanted to do, and people accepted it up to a point. Mm. But, you know, they were human after all. So, you know, they were <laughs> going to fall out. There was going to be jealousy. Yeah, they weren't perfect. Yeah, yeah. And but if they, they were, they went and turned it into a pot or a painting or a yes. poem. <laughs> yeah, or in someone's book, you know, exactly. a character in a book. Right, yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where are we going to go to next? Should we go to the garden room? Yeah. Which would have been their sitting room. Lovely. Follow me. Just down here. I suppose something that as I've gotten older I've and you know developed a career as a creative person um and struggled in my 20s to make that happen because you know we are a normal family we didn't have loads of money to throw around is that it's actually really hard to pursue a creative career yes you can do hobbies and actually that's really enjoyable but as I've got older, I've thought about the Bloomsbury group and I've, you know, wondered where did, how did they live like this? Yes, they lived bohemian lives. They lived off the land. They repurposed all their clothes and their artifacts. But somewhere, someone had to have some money. So I'm interested to know how that, how that happened and whether there was anyone in the family yes. who had money. Yeah. And whether they had sponsorship or yeah. whatever it might yeah, have exactly. been. Yeah, exactly. Like how they shared... Yeah. The yeah. money, or, or yeah. because you know, the idea of this place is very romantic, um, and it is romantic, and I really admire them for pursuing their their credo and their artistic way of life. But also, artists need to eat, and they need a roof over their head, and they need to pay their bills, and they need hot water and electricity. So, you know, mm. how did they do that bit? Mm. Well, I'm I'm hoping that we will see loads of their work. Right. I'm really hoping. 
that because yeah. I don't I, you know I've been to a lot of places and they say oh X lived here and believed in this and so and you'd think well why or how what is the evidence yeah that, uh, yeah and um, so I'm hoping that this is going to offer that yeah it'd be really nice if you know on, in every room there's just evidence of their yes. their family life yes, and their artistic and being, output uh, yeah yeah for sure yeah I'm I'm hoping to see evidence of their craft using their hands, perhaps other than painting, um, because that's something I'm really interested in. And I've always sewn, I've always made something, and the satisfaction of actually mm. making something yeah. or repairing something is... Yeah, is, it's nice to bring something back yeah, from the brink and rather than throw it in the bin and buy yes, a new one. Yes. A little bit dark down here, I'm afraid, but lots of pictures yeah. on the wall. Proper corridor, yes. But then we come into quite a, a fresh oh, space. Oh, God. Oh, it's lovely. And oh, it's... it literally opens out into the garden. And Vanessa oh, Bell would yeah. have had those oh, yes. French windows open pretty much all the time, actually. Oh, it's stunning. So, yeah, we're in this room and it's, again, the wallpaper is hand-stenciled or stamped. Um, they look like apostrophes, don't they? Oh, mm. Paisley design. Yeah, yeah, or tadpoles. And this is, again, Second World War. And oh, it looks really? very, very modern, doesn't it? So this, um, we're looking at a, uh, a marble fireplace, mm -hmm. I suppose. Yes. Which um, has been painted to look more like marble. Oh, really? By so Duncan like Grant. A, so Duncan Grant oh, did a yes. sort of stippling <laughs> effect to make it look um, more marbly. And again, above, there's this gorgeous, uh, well, it's almost like a fresco, I suppose, yeah. of two ladies holding a, a plate uh, between them with a, a pot of flowers inside. And it's always like layer after layer of story. And there's always something that your eye can rest on. And there's a lovely ceramic lion in the middle. Oh, I like him. You'd like him, wouldn't you, Jesse? I, I know, I do yes. love a lion. Yes. He's Staffordshire, and interestingly oh, enough, the little black necklace was left by the children. Oh, yeah, he's So it's a little another necklace. little relic of the past, oh, yeah. but a different generation, so yeah. that has to stay there. Yeah. So the children probably played with it and, and talked to it when they were young. They used <laughs> to visit here, which is quite sweet. But in here, they would hang all their best paintings okay. and entertain their friends after dinner. Yeah. But it has some of their sort of typically painted furniture, like the tiles. The base for the lamp there is actually a telegraph pole, believe it or oh, not. Oh, really? Which they upcycled, yeah. made different versions of. Yeah. And a little handmade, homemade lampshade there out of an old blouse, so a bit of make do and mend as well. Yeah. I'm uh, very interested in handcrafts, and so I, I've done a lot of sewing. I'm looking at the cushions as well. I mean, they're they're quite dynamic, aren't they? She's literally this morning. She came off the train with two cushion covers for me, made from old curtains. So you're very good at that. Yeah. But um, I've moved on to uh, spinning. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sounds not, very... Not, not in the gym, the spinning wheel. No, it still sounds very difficult. This yeah, is some very... of Vanessa yeah. Bell's knitting underneath. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's been salvaged, though. Oh, right. Not interested in that. Mm. I think you'd fit in here, Mum. I think, yes. I can <laughs> see you in that chair. Yeah. yeah. It's a really cosy-looking chair, mm. isn't it? Yeah. That was yeah. Vanessa Bell's favourite chair. Oh, really? Because I suppose Aww. when you sit there, you can look out, yeah, you can see exactly. the garden. It's exactly. beautiful. 
you're such a creative person. I don't know anyone like you who can make things from nothing. You make curtains for me in the house. All the curtains in my house are handmade by you. The socks that are on your feet right now, you've knitted. Um, You do all these amazing courses and you have such enthusiasm for things. And I just, I'm grateful to you for like, taking me on those places when I was little because you know yes I wanted to go to Chessington World of Adventures and yes and you did I did finally on my own steam yeah but not with me no 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 thanks to me no but anyway regardless of that I think it's nice for us to be back in a place where you know one of the places we visited together yes um and a place that does celebrate all that um handmade self-initiative recycling repurposing appreciation of yeah and i think that they're they're emphasizing it more here the the feeling that that this is where everybody lived and and there's so much more information given i think than than last time yeah so i really feel it's alive so is it correct that this is the room where Vanessa Bell uh, broke the news to her daughter Angelica that the man that she thought was her father was uh, not in fact her biological father? Yeah, that is correct, because she'd been brought up to think that Clive Bell was her father when in fact a lot of people did know or suspected it was Duncan Grant, including Angelica herself. Mm. But she had to wait till she was 17 to be told wow, the truth. That is and a, that is, she was yeah. very close to Duncan. It wasn't the fact that it was Duncan that was her father it was the fact they'd lied to her Mm -hmm. that hurt so very much but it was in this room yeah and I mean Clive Bell was a wealthy man and was there some kind of um, motive for Vanessa to sort of make sure that there was an inheritance for her daughter to, to be attached to the man who had had wealth Yes, I think there was some of that in it because his parents were quite wealthy. And I think the common assumption is that all the Bloomsbury group were very wealthy because they had servants, etc. But in fact, they lived quite frugally and didn't have an awful lot of money. So they did rely on Clive Bell's parents quite a bit. So obviously there are contradictions with these people. You know, Mm. on one hand, they were very honest and bohemian. And on the other, they wanted to keep the fact that Angelica didn't, you know, she was born out of marriage and yeah. she would, what would happen to her later? Yeah, As, yeah the pressures of society's judgment Very much and that so. sort of thing. Yes, although they didn't care about it in other respects. Mm. But that's something that, you know, carries on, isn't it? That, you know, artists still need to eat and <laughs> pay the bills and they put do. a roof over their head and, and money is still an issue and you do yeah. need to have money and sometimes I don't know nowadays there are people who can't necessarily pursue their creative dreams because Mm. they can't afford it so I understand the pragmatism of Vanessa Bell (laughs) wanting to make sure that there was some financial support. Who gets to make art? Who gets to enjoy more time more free time in their week in their month in their year to create to develop those talents and skills and i think the bottom line is in this day and age with art gcse music gcse all all that stuff all out all out and also just you know the Mm. amount of money it costs to to study or to sort of you know live yeah like basic living standards (sighs) these people represent not the norm, you know. They were in a rarefied um, environment. Virginia and Vanessa, and father I think they were, were upper class. They, you know, they, they were in their prime, weren't they? Really, to 
to to do this work, this creative yeah. work that we've seen. And I know. mean, please don't get me wrong. That I, I think that they were creative people who were always working right up until the day they died. And, and I'm grateful to them. And I'm grateful to it, yeah. that. But I just think it, it has to be mentioned that, yes, they sponsored young artists and yes, there was that um, outreach, but not like... No, no. I, I don't know how far those tentacles stretched. Like when, yes, when we yeah. learned that Vanessa decided, okay, war's breaking out, I'm going to get out of London. Not everyone could get no, out of no, London. No, no, I didn't you, even... You were born in the Blitz. I, you didn't we, get to no, come out of London, No, did we you? didn't. No, we sat under the table in Clapham. <laughs> and you've been there ever since. <laughs> Well, we're just leaving the garden room, and as you can see there, there's a self-portrait of Vanessa Bell painted a couple of years before she died in the attic right at the top of the house. And it's quite a sad portrait. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You can see her in her straw hat. Yes, and she looks like her, her sister. She's contemplating as well, I think. Yes. Maybe contemplating the end. It's a bit it was a sad time. Sorry. It was a sad time for her, though. Yeah. Well, she lost yeah. one of her sons, didn't yes. she, in the Spanish uh, Civil War? That was, yes. Yeah, that was in 1937. Mm. And then after that, the only person she would see for some time was Virginia Woolf, her sister. Mm. Um, and, of course, she took her life mm. in 1941. So it was a, And she'd lost Roger Fry. He died suddenly. So a lot of her family and loved ones and died. And Vanessa died when? I can't... 1961, yes. wow. at the so age she, of 81. Wow, she, was she did last, mm. like yes. 20 more years after yes. Virginia. So we're going into Vanessa's bedroom. Well, her later bedroom, actually, because this was actually a store cupboard which had to be gutted out for her when her husband took over her bedroom upstairs and turned it into his library in 1939 when he moved in. He just took that choice, did he? He did. That was his bedroom. That was the end of it. Right. But, of course, he did pay for heating and hot water and a telephone when okay. he moved in, so that's probably we'll why. <laughs> but we have the ensuite mm. here. Oh, lovely. Height of luxury. So this bath has got the most gorgeous panelling, um, sort of divided into three, like a mint green with these sort of orange circles with a sort of floral motif in the middle and columns everything is just always detailed and and designed and it's look amazing. at the, yes the cupboard there as yeah. well is that was actually painted by angelica oh really yes that's one of her cupboards when she was young or? yes when she was quite young yeah and so they were quite were they quite um happy for angelica to just paint when she wanted to very and much so that reminds me a bit when i was about 15 i decorated the entire ceiling with silver pen and yes, wrote all over it. very attractive. <laughs> she painted over it. I left well, over Well, eventually, oh, after wow. about 25 years, we lived with this. It was good. There were stars and lyrics yes. and William yeah. Blake poetry. Yes, uh, all hanging down the cornice, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it, it was a shame to take it away, but I thought, no. I couldn't believe. <laughs> that this happened that I just came home and there it all was well that's why I like this place because yeah. this, you know, the children were allowed to do it Jessie sort well, of does it in her own house really well, good so, we go. well, I do it now yeah. yes. once you but, start you can't stop no exactly no. did Virginia Woolf ever write anything here 
I think she did. I mean, there was certainly evidence that she stayed here a lot. And I would imagine as they sort of sat out in the garden or or discussed things, I'm sure she got ideas (laughs) for books and, and, you know, plot lines and what have you from characters. Yeah, it's a meditative space. I can imagine, you know, coming here and, and letting your sort of thoughts come in. I mean, I think as a as a writer, I'm I'm often considering the space I'm in, and you know whether spaces are conducive to creativity. And I I I you know most of the time I can write anywhere, but I do have my own writing shed. Mm-hmm. And I think about this house, and I think yeah, it'd be very nice to come here and just uh, wake up, look at the garden, and I mean not I don't know if it necessarily generates more thought, but it just it's just more conducive. I think yes, it's more peaceful. Well, we're going into the studio, which was built in 1925, literally to the side of the very old farmhouse, which is thought to be 16th century. So we're going to walk towards these double doors here. And it's going to be a lot brighter, so beware. Oh, wow. Oh, Oh, the ceiling just suddenly shoots up. It's like double the height. So we're in a very light-filled much larger room than Vanessa's bedroom. Uh, Every surface uh, has been painted. There are murals on the walls, uh, designs on the walls. Um, There's a lovely, quite high fireplace with two nudes either side with a bowl of fishes in the middle painted above the top of the fireplace. The fireplace is tiled. There's a chaise long in the corner. And above and, that, a giant mirror. And, the, and a beautiful cabinet full of lovely porcelain. Yeah, hand-painted by the looks of it. Yeah. And then these big windows that look up to the sky, perfect for painting conditions to get all that natural light. Who's this on the well, easel behind you? Let me introduce you. This is Tony Anzaretti, and he was often used as a Bloomsbury model by all the artists. You go to a Bloomsbury-inspired exhibition, chances are you'll see him nude or otherwise. <laughs> this is by Duncan Grant, and uh, we're seeing a very well-proportioned young man with all everything showing, really, <laughs> and uh, a full portrait, shall we say, And uh, some years ago, I had some of his um, distant relatives visit here. Apparently, all the men became muscle men, Mr Atlas type thing. (laughs) And did Vanessa come here daily to paint? Funnily enough, she preferred the attic studio. Oh, right. So I do tend to think of this as Duncan Grant's space, particularly as he was here and he was very elderly at the end of his life, living here alone. Couldn't get up the stairs. Couldn't get up the stairs, didn't really need to, because he had Vanessa Bell's bedroom on That's so interesting to me that she preferred the attic, because I'm obsessed with women in attics, ever since, you know, reading Mm. about Bertha Mason in the attic in Jane Eyre. And in my novel, The Muse, where there's a woman who's a painter, she prefers the attic too. Um, <laughs> there's and something about know, being away, isn't there? Detached from everything. You're absolutely right, because we used to go up there. We don't anymore because the stairs are too rickety, right. so it's unsafe to take people up there. And there's very little up there except some of her painted walls. But you can see out... The, but I would say it is so atmospheric up there. Really? It gives you goose pimples. Really? It's like a room with a view. It is a room with a view. It's beautiful, and you can see what she would have seen mm. and just wonder what she would have thought when she was up there. It's so interesting that it it is more bare. It's like the interior world she was painting was more vivid. She didn't need 
you know, the rest of the house is covered with beautiful objects, yes. but perhaps when she was working, she just needed a sense of blankness or tranquility in that yes. way. Yes, yes, and her calm up there and her space. Good for her. This here, believe it or not, which is a pink, very unusual uh, cupboard with uh, these glass knobs, pale pink and pale yellows and circles. They used to keep their records in here because there was always music playing. And round the corner, you can see a very highly painted uh, radiogram. Oh, wow. And that's where they would play their... Their, music. their records, their music. And if that wasn't being played, they would have the radio on. Now, this is one of my favourite rooms. This is Duncan Grant's bedroom. And I'll explain why when we go in there. And it was always Duncan Grant's bedroom. It's got the biggest bed there. Yeah. I've got, it's got a lot of the needlepoint in here yeah. and the window seat there, uh, you can see, that would have been designed by Vanessa Bell in the 1940s and uh, you can see how it's an antique frame which they've re-upholstered with their own needlepoint there in three sections. Yeah. But you can see the decoration in here and this room she would come back to again and again and decorate to make sure that it was welcoming and fresh and friendly for him to make him want to come home again to her. <laughs> Vanessa was very well aware of Duncan Grant's sexuality and, and the relationships that he had and you know, accepted them and he would go to her for advice about different lovers and that sort of thing. But there was one hiccup and it was through this artist here. You can see a little painting there of a policeman and that's by an artist called George Bergen. And later on in their life here, Duncan Grant decided he wanted George Bergen to move in with them and Vanessa put her foot down. So she did occasionally put her foot down. <laughs> she didn't want the she law didn't want, involved. She didn't, well, she didn't want him and, she did, and there was a policeman actually who was a friend of theirs um, who was openly gay as well we talk about him on the queer tours so uh, you know there's another whole different strand it's very complex the stories here but interesting and so I mean Vanessa must have loved Duncan and just you know it's not necessarily a question of tolerated but she understood and she accepted and it was just do you feel that the way that they lived here which obviously at the time was not considered well, acceptable. I mean, it wasn't legal. Do you think it um, influenced their creativity? I think so, because I think it's really interesting you, you compare tolerating and acceptance mm. because they felt they accepted everyone's uh, sexuality, their partners, whatever, their views, their political views, who they were, their ethnicity. They felt they were very accepted accepting people um yes i think it did affect their creativity because there were never any sort of lines that they drew um and i'm talking sort of metaphorically here uh they could do anything Mm. and they they were always very adventurous and exploratory to a certain extent Mm. and they encouraged each other to be exactly that all right well i can hear another tour is just coming behind us now so terry thank you so much this is amazing i've really really enjoyed it Um, So we were just on our way, but I've just noticed there's this group of women in this room and I think they're doing 
a sort of course or something. And, and this place, Charleston, often does, you know, courses, craft courses, writing courses. Do you think we should interrupt them in their creative yes, process? Yes. Which, of course, you know, I love that when that someone does it to me. I'm writing, please go yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. OK. Oh, Mum's knocking. So there's a group of people... I don't know, there's about uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people. And um, they're doing, I think it's a life writing course, isn't it? Okay, so it looks like we found a moment that we can interrupt. Um, Thank you so much. Um, I'm Jessie. Hello. I'm Linda. Hi. (laughs) So um, what what have you been doing today in the course? Every Friday morning, using the Bloomsbury House or the Bloomsbury Garden or the Bloomsbury Writings as a text that we then use to investigate our own kind of experience of garden or home or self or others. Well, the atmosphere is fantastic. Join us, Get your notepad out and join us. I need to get some discipline back in my writing uh, life, so maybe I should. Yeah, You'd be very welcome. Get your tips from a professional (laughs) best-selling writer while you can. Yeah, it's the least I can do. We've interrupted you in your flow. What do you want to ask? How much of the story do you know when you start writing it and how much does it evolve as you, as you go? Um, for me, it's very much uh, let's write and see what happens. Um, I'm not a great planner. I'd love to be more uh, structured because it would make me feel safer or more confident in what I was doing, but I'm definitely a writer who just wants to start with a scene in her mind that's actually what I did last night. I had this scene, this woman standing on a river bank with a man and a turtle, and that's all I had, and then I just see what happens next, you know. And, well, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, the book that you think you're going to write is never the book that ends up being written. Great advice, thank you. <laughs> well, I just wish you the best of luck with your own writing. It sounds absolutely fascinating what you're all doing, and, yeah, what a lovely place to be doing it. Yes. Cake at 11 C's. Cake, you get cake. Cake, cake mid I don't get cake when I write. <laughs> I know, I need, I know, I need to come here. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Have a good weekend. So, last but not least, we're going to head towards the garden. Um, Shall we have a little wander around before we meet the head gardener? Yes, I think that's a good idea. Then we'll have some questions. Yeah, you can tell me everything you know about gardening. Yeah, yeah. Ten minutes. (laughs) That's all it would take. No. Hi, I'm Fiona. I'm the head gardener here. Welcome to the garden. Thank you so much. Stunning. And and do you work full time? Full time, five days a week. Um, And I'm a professional gardener. Yes. And. What I'm trying to do, I've been here for three years, and I'm trying to bring it back to the 1930s and 1940s so that it truly reflects what it was like at its peak when Vanessa and Duncan were here. And so how do you do that? It's been magical. When I first came, I didn't realise there were so many paintings by Vanessa, particularly Vanessa, but also Duncan, of bunches of flowers. So what they used to do was wander into the garden randomly pick a bunch of flowers that they like the colour of or the structure of and then they plop them into one of their vases um, so you had both their ceramics and their choice of flowers those paintings are all, all out there in private collections but you can find them on the internet oh that's lovely wow. so, wow. so you wow. literally did detective work yeah. you went and saw what the flowers absolutely. were in the vases yeah. and then went and planted yeah, them absolutely but then it, the, the plot got a bit thicker because 
I've got to get the right varieties. So it's all very well getting a zinnia, but I don't want a zinnia that's a modern sort of lime green zinnia. I want a zinnia that was around then. Wow. Somebody would come in and say, oh, that's not an Akita. <laughs> yeah. you know. That's exactly why I'm digging out this Nifofia. Because somebody came in and said they didn't have yellow ones. Oh, and I said, so no, annoying. they didn't. That's and I was about to dig them out and you spotted them before oh, I could. Very good. Yes, <laughs> that's very what good. happens with my novels. <laughs> they wouldn't have done that then well, in you 1930. You get that all the time. You, yeah, you, but, you, you know, so hard. Everyone's an expert, Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. Exactly. <laughs> what are those gorgeous blue blue flowers? The blue is the salvia patens. Oh, salvia. Um, but the really key plants here are things like the zinnias yeah. um, and we very recently got some seed from Italy from um, a particular gardener over there who's managed to get hold of 1940 seed, seed that's been collected and reproduced every year since 1940 so it's the right variety, wow. the right density of colour, oh, which is magic It makes me so happy that there are people out there in the world doing that kind of thing yes. <laughs> really into detail yeah, I, sure. I said to this gardener, I said you and I are the only people in the whole world that worry about whether our zinnia seed is from the 1940s <laughs> or not <laughs> So it's it's really more than just being the gardener. You Ooh. are doing yeah. a, a really mammoth task. Th- the yeah. interesting thing is everyone thinks it's about the house and about their friends. And there's this part of the story that I feel hasn't really been told, which is they came here because of the landscape. Mm-hmm. And they came here for privacy and to be able to explore themselves in every every dimension and when you see their letters they all talk about with enthusiasm about the garden and we've produced we picked 52 peaches this year or Mm. you know we're harvesting this that and the other or Mm. roger if you're passing do pick the last of the sweet peas Mm. jenna where are you going to take us where i'd love to take you is out through the walled garden you've seen a bit of the walled garden but there's another bit that people might miss which is the orchard Oh, and lovely. that's got some apples and what have you, and then that leads to the lake. Perfect. So let me take you down there. Lovely, thank you. Because it's not at all crazy. It smells quite... Um, you can see we're just putting down the wallflowers here, so it's all going to be... Oh, God. My mum's... <laughs> Come on, Linda. <laughs> Sorry about that. I've got to be there. <laughs> this is Harry and this is Dylan. Hi, and Dylan, hello, Dylan hi. is our volunteer and he comes in once a week on Fridays and Harry is full-time and yeah. he's funded by the Stanley Smith Horticultural oh. Trust. Oh. Yeah, we've spent the morning moving an apple tree, a young apple tree, and um, digging up some geraniums, which we're going to split and divide and place elsewhere. And we've just sown some grass seed and now we're making an artistic structure Loving to cover structure. that, keep the pheasants away, yeah, yeah. some whistling tape. Um, yeah. Oh, so the, when the wind blows Supposedly through it, it whistles. Oh, and... okay, that's quite clever. Oh, really? That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for your time. This is the orchard. It has a few trees in it, quite a selection of one sample of each. So there's a mulberry and there's a walnut and there's a quince and a medlar. But um, and there's a few apples. But it's not a conventional orchard. It's a it's just somewhere they enjoyed playing. It was quite uh, informal and quite overgrown. This has got a number of statues dotted around, but this particular one I like. It's only the head and shoulders. It's a little bust, but because it's on the ground, it looks particularly odd. Yeah, yes. it does. He looks like he's popped yeah. out from yes. the earth. It does. Rather, I always think this is Bunny Garnet, um, David Garnet, the chap who married Vanessa's daughter, Angelica. Oh, and that's Bunny. him? And this is him. Oh, wow. And so I always think that perhaps if I was Vanessa, that's exactly where I would have put him in the garden. Sort of under a shrub and (laughs) up to his neck in soil. Covered in ivy, (laughs) in the dark. Oh, chat. I mean, the thing about David Garnet, he was the husband of Angelica. 
Bell, then Garnet, but also the lover of Angelica's father. Initially the lover, right. yes, when so they he were was, younger, yes. So Angelica was about 19 or so when she married? Something like, very young. And David Garnet was 50-something. Yes, I suppose the thing that people find difficult was that Duncan and he were... were true lovers they were very very um, involved with each other and they both came here with Vanessa and then when the baby was born and of course um, Angelica is Duncan and Vanessa's baby and so when the baby was born he was there yeah at the birth that's quite and then intense to then become a husband yeah, yeah. Kind it's of a bit something one. out of a fairy tale yes but not not the easiest kind yes, of plot Angela Carter sort of fairy tale yeah <laughs> And I, I wonder for Angelica how that felt, like to have sort of a biological father that she only realised was her biological father when she was 17 and then this other, you know, official father who was fairly absent most of the time, Clive Bell wasn't here that much, yeah. and then to marry a man who was old enough to be her father who had been involved with her father. I think she must have had a lot of struggle with I, I think she did. the father figure. Yeah, I, I feel. think she really took... It took her lifetime to um, come to terms with that, and that's why she wrote about it very yeah, frankly. Which very I think... frankly, and because it's it, this is a beautiful place. It's a beautiful, inspiring place, but it's a blessing, and I I can only assume a bit of a burden as well. Like yes. the Bloomsbury legacy, it's a complicated, complex group of people. Yeah, I think that's the key: is that they were complicated, and any attempt to simplify their lives or what their ideas were is is invalid. You've mm-hmm. really got to think about it in all its layers. Yeah. So we've just come back from mm-hmm. our tour of the house and garden and um, I feel, I don't know, I, I feel at once very envious of the people who got to live here and also very grateful that we've had this wonderful tour from yes. Terry and Fiona. It was an absolutely stunning place. And um, I think for me, I think the, the best bit was actually seeing the garden and, you know, talking to Fiona about her plan to bring it back to the the way it was in the 30s and 40s and the fact that seeds still exist from that time and I just think about the way that I think it's so wonderful as a writer to have my own space and what that really means and to curate a space where I feel both safe and secure but also able to experiment and I think this is what this place is and this is what Charleston the house and the studio there and the garden represent it's like a it's like an idyll. I don't know whether I'd want all my husbands and lovers <laughs> b- yeah. bothering me when I'm trying to write a novel, but, you know, each to their own, I guess. Can you or imagine? swimming in the lake. I know. <laughs> Running around with a duck in the lake. Yeah. Now, how about you? What did you find that you enjoyed or um, what was your feeling afterwards? I thought that um, it was a very peaceful environment. I think that's... Um, quite key, even though there would have been things going on. So it still seems peaceful. And um, I loved I loved the artwork, actually, mm. so much to see all that in all the rooms and related to, to the people who lived here, obviously. And then their choice of furniture. Few pieces of furniture, really. Yeah, it wasn't... The rooms no, weren't no. crammed, no, were they? No, no, no. But just lovely purposeful mm. and beautiful do you yeah. think coming today you're going to change any designs or do something based on the sort of vanessa bell duncan grant aesthetic uh, well uh am i going to get home and find you've painted dad's 
face on some plates. Or I was contemplating the doors, actually. I thought, <laughs> Those doors are know, lovely. Yes, they're, yeah. they're good, aren't they? No, I think I'm too busy trying to get enough wool uh, sorted from a Jacob and a Dorset to knit a sweater. I have no idea what you just said, but no, I'm no, going to take your word they're, for they're, it. They're those little furry things that run what? around the country called sheep. sheep. Oh, right, yeah, OK. Yeah, Jacob and a Dorset. Mm. You're not getting the I'm sweater. Not, I, well, I'm, I don't... <laughs> you want to hang out with me more, Mum? Yes, you're so busy, though. Oh, it's, uh... <laughs> I'd like to go with you again. I think she said Sunday you can come free. Yeah, you can come free with your National Art Pass yeah. on a Sunday to Charleston, yeah. which is yeah. amazing. Do you want to go to the cafe for a cup of tea? Oh, yes, I might need that after all that chat. OK. Thanks for listening to Meet Me at the Museum with me, Jessie Burton. And me, Linda, at Charleston in East Sussex. If you liked this episode of the podcast, please rate, subscribe or tell a friend.